Support for this podcast and the following message come from Wise, the app that makes managing your money in different currencies easy. With Wise, you can send and spend money internationally at the mid-market exchange rate. No guesswork and no hidden fees. Learn more about how Wise could work for you at wise.com. Today on State of the World, China's influence on Taiwan's politics and Taiwan's influence on Chinese pop culture. Thanks for listening to State of the World from NPR. We bring you the day's most vital international stories up close where they're happening. It's Tuesday, January 9th. I'm Greg Dixon. There's been a lot of news lately about the tensions between China and Taiwan. The two never officially ended their civil war. And though Taiwan operates autonomously, China still claims the island as part of its territory. We're going to hear a pair of stories now from our correspondent in Taiwan, Emily Feng. In a few minutes, the cultural ties between the two places. But first, Taiwan is a democracy, and it holds a big election January 13th. And while that election will be about all the normal things, like affordable housing and transportation, as Emily tells us, the relationship with China is looming large in voters' minds. It's election season in Taiwan. Rallies like this one are being held in every major city. And at this one, Su Jinchang, a former premier, warns voters of the invisible enemy, by which he means China. Su is a founding member of Taiwan's current ruling party, the DPP. And he reminds voters their democracy came from decades of activism and sacrifice. And that it's under threat from China, which considers Taiwan a province it controls, because Beijing's threatened to invade if Taiwan does not eventually submit. Kathleen Lin, a waiter, has brought her two teenage children with her to the rally to support the DPP's presidential candidate, William Lai. She says she and her parents grew up with threats from China. Which is why she says she's voting for the DPP again, which she believes has struck a middle ground, minimizing ties with China without overly antagonizing it. But how to maintain peace is a hotly contested question. At a rally a few hours south in Taiwan, the opposition KMT party welcomes its presidential candidate, Hou Youyi, to the stage. His party has promoted reviving a trade agreement with China as one way to better ties while also boosting Taiwan's defense against China. And at the KMT rally in the city of Miaoli, there is much less concern about China. Here's Hua De, a retired repairman. He says international relations are of no importance to Taiwan. He wants to focus on the economy. And refusing to trade with China, he says, will lead to economic ruin. That's because much of Miaoli relies on agriculture. And a lot of it is sold to China. Fu Songnian, a retired journalist, wants a full resumption of trade with China. By selling to China, he says, Taiwan and cross-strait relations can greatly improve. Not everything is about China in this election, however. For the first time since Taiwan democratized in the 1990s, a serious third-party candidate, the TPP's Ke Wenzhe, has emerged. He's attracted younger voters, like 33-year-old Hao Lu, who wants political change of any sort. 
Hall cites a change in power as his number one priority and believes sky-high housing prices and low average salaries to be the most important issues. He's a sign of voter fatigue with the DPP and KMT parties and wariness with the China debate. Once a rebel alliance of underground activists, the DPP is the establishment now and under fire for bureaucratic bloat. And the KMT remains under the sway of septuagenarian politicians who younger voters have little in common with. This split electorate means no party will likely win a sizable majority in the legislature, meaning political gridlock in the next four years. One of the independent candidates is Chen Huijun. I met her handing out surgical face masks to voters. She is campaigning for the legislative spot in Penghu, one of the outlying island counties far away from Taiwan's bigger cities like Taipei. She says her voters care about ease of transportation to Taiwan's main island and ready access to advanced health care. China, for them, is an afterthought. But whatever the outcome, Taiwan does expect a peaceful transition of power. Here's Miao Boya, a city councilor who was running as a DPP legislative candidate. She says no matter their differences, Taiwanese hold democracy and freedom as core values. That's what makes Taiwan special in Asia and the world, she says. It's a democracy that is less than four decades old, and despite its twists and turns, one that is not doing too badly for its age. Emily Fang, NPR News, Taiwan. So while Taiwan's relationship with China isn't the only thing being debated in that upcoming election, as we heard, relations with China is a big issue, as Taiwanese voters feel China exerting pressure politically, economically, and militarily. But there is one place where much smaller Taiwan is able to influence China, through pop culture. Emily Feng has this story now about the tight musical connections between the two places. China's leader Xi Jinping repeatedly hints at a military invasion of Taiwan. And at the same time, the people of China consume huge amounts of Taiwanese music and film. It's a cultural entanglement mirroring their long history of migration and, yes, war. It's an entanglement in which Taiwan, a tiny island of just 23 million people, has outsized leverage. They started way earlier, at a period where China was basically shut off from the world. This is Giselle Ko, the founder of Asian Pop Weekly, a music outlet on Asia. Taiwan is where megastar Mandarin singers like Teresa Tang took off, enrapturing a generation of Chinese. And in more recent years, Taiwan's superstar Jay Cho and bands like Mayday provide a ubiquitous soundtrack in movies and TV dramas in China. Since the 1980s, people in China, sometimes at great risk, listened to purloined cassettes and later CDs of Taiwanese artists. And for a lot of them now, it reminds them of like their childhood. It's very nostalgic for them. And now Taiwanese artists are routinely in the top 50 charts in China. Among the Taiwanese artists popular in China is this band, The Chairs, from Taipei. And they've picked up a cult following in China after starring in a reality show there called The Big Band. Kind of like China's American Idol, but for up-and-coming groups. NPR met The Chairs in 2022 in Beijing. Here's their manager, Yi Huang. 
He said he and his bandmates had done more than 100 total days of COVID quarantine in 2022. This was when China was in the middle of the pandemic. But China is a much bigger market than Taiwan, and it's where a lot of their fans are. Our fans in China are so warm-hearted. They set up chat groups and sometimes are even able to learn news about our band before I find out. Through the connections they've built through music, Huang said the band feels none of the tensions between China and Taiwan. The Taiwanese presence runs very deep in China. Many of the larger Taiwanese recording labels have collaborations in China. Obviously, lots of Taiwanese perform here. The cooperation on selling music rights is very close. But this decades-long entanglement is starting to change. There's more competition from Korean and homegrown Chinese artists. And then there's the cross-strait tensions. In January, May Day, the Taiwanese superband was investigated for lip-syncing in China. Taiwanese officials say it's because Beijing wants the band to be more pro-China. Weining Huang co-founded one of Taiwan's biggest music festivals, Lukefest. And she says younger Taiwanese artists are not as keen to go to China. Some Taiwanese young artists don't feel safe going there because they probably already say something on social media. And some of them like have very strong political views. There's been instances where Chinese fans have named and shamed artists for appearing too pro-Taiwan. They've even boycotted and banned them from performing. And that's got some bands rethinking how tied up they want to be with the Chinese market. Bands like Prairie. They're an experimental rock band. Their vocalist, Yi Zhi, says more of their fellow musicians are explicitly critical of China. A good half of Taiwanese bands now are willing to express their political views and values. Before 2014, many bands didn't dare talk about politics. 2014, that was when Taiwan saw mass protests against closer trade ties with China. And so China is no longer the ultimate destination for Taiwanese artists. I met it again with the chairs a few weeks ago, this time in Taiwan. They were promoting their new album, which is mostly in English. Their lead singer, Yongjing, said it was eye-opening to tour in Europe and the U.S. last year. We hope to reach out to different communities in addition to the Chinese-speaking world. And their ambitions are growing alongside their fame from Taiwan to China and now beyond. Emily Fang, NPR News, Taipei, Taiwan. That's the State of the World from NPR. You can hear more from Taiwan from NPR host Elsa Chang this week on the Consider This podcast. Find it on the NPR app or anywhere you listen. Thanks for listening. See you again soon. On this week's Wild Card, we talk with Issa Rae about those moments where our lives could have gone another direction. Definitely wasn't supposed to be with that guy at all. At all. But I still think about it. I'm Rachel Martin. Issa Rae tells us how to make peace with the path not taken. That's on the Wild Card podcast from NPR, the game where cards control the conversation. I'm Rachel Martin. You probably know how interview podcasts with famous people usually go. There's a host, a guest, and a light Q&A. 
But on Wildcard, we have ripped up the typical script. It's a new podcast from NPR where I invite actors, artists, and comedians to play a game using a special deck of cards to talk about some of life's biggest questions. Listen to Wildcard wherever you get your podcasts, only from NPR. Why is everyone so obsessed with traditional wives or trad wives on social media? This week, we're talking about the viral videos of women making marshmallows and mozzarella from scratch and how behind the sheen of calm kitchens and cute fits, there's some interesting pessimism about our modern world. And that's worth digging into. Next time on It's Been a Minute from NPR.